Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, conscience that made us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hey, everybody, this is Daniel Morales from Aurora Dream, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us.
Daniel, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thanks, man. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm looking forward to the chat we're going to have now. We opened the show with A New Infinite, which you released at the end of February. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah. So um, that track was something, it's probably the most experimental stuff I made. Uh, I couldn't find a way to uh, make it work for the upcoming Aurora Dream album just because it had so much electronics and just a different production approach i i think that it just wouldn't match but you know i still released it as a single and initially i wasn't planning on getting any features on it i was just uh just testing the grounds and just putting something out with that was i guess more bold uh for the lack of a better word but then um i don't know we had we had a section where uh, i was thinking about playing the same thing again um it was a very long section, and, and that's very common with prog music, but I figured maybe inviting Pliny and Simon would make more sense, just because they are also very, um, you know, very melodic, and the song was very melodic overall. And maybe because, you know, I had Simon already mixing the track, it was easier to have him reach out to Pliny and then see if he wanted it, you know, if he wanted to be on it, and that's why, that's how basically everything came about yeah yeah i was uh you saved me a question there i was just going to ask you how you got the two guys on the record but um is there something you'd look towards going forward now to have them maybe appear on more tracks not not on the album since uh the album the album will have other features though i, I already put out i believe like an image that i just give you everything like the album title and all the features just to kind of create some momentum i guess but I hope I hope we can collaborate again because that was that was a fun track and I wasn't expecting it to do that well. I know maybe most people would because yeah, it has some features, um, but I don't know. It was like I said, it was a very bold move for me to make since I'm, I'm. It was it's the only the first time that I'm trying to do something like math rock or prog with electronics. So I was just yeah, didn't expect anything, but it's it's doing well. Like people seem to enjoy that, and I'm glad Pliny, you know, jumped in. And it's fun to hear how him and Simon kind of do the feature as as a back and forth. Really, they throw it, you know, throw up riffs at each other, and it just it went well. I hope we can do something else in the future, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And the track marks a beginning of a new era for you. Can you tell us a bit more about what this new era is going to be like? Yeah. So, you know, for most people that know about the project, um, it only had one song back in 2016. And that's something I wrote back in my university days and, and just put it out. I didn't even have a name for the project at the time. I think I released it under my name. And then it just stayed like that for years. and. I didn't really, um, like I said, I didn't have like a name for the project. It was just like a solo thing I made. And then over the years, I started writing more music. And, you know, that's how I wrote the album. And I wrote a couple of singles, but I didn't really know how to structure things for, I guess, a comeback for the project. And then, you know, I came up with a name uh, uh, for the project. And then 
um, I didn't I didn't know which track to use as a as a comeback really, and I I did re-release that 2016 track this time remixed and remastered. So that that was kind of like a comeback, but it was it was still something not fully fresh you know so um so then i i picked that one i picked the new infinite just because of the track name and i don't know it's you know it was also named like that because it really opened up for me like uh i don't know it showed me that there's a lot more i can do musically not um with all the different layers that i combined and everything so it was it just made sense to have that track kind of like introduce uh, the project um, towards a new direction. Um, so I wouldn't say that it re- it serves a, like really well as a sneak peek for the record, just because it's it's not as electronic, but at least it, it's a good track to um, I don't know give people something new and hopes that you know what comes next is also good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get you. And something I'm dying to know is, as an instrumental musician, what does your creative process look like? It's a strange thing because um, it's not just instrumental, but because it's prog music and, and math rock more specifically, it's, um, well, you know, it, 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 a lot of it relies on on weird like time signature changes and and like weird song structures that are a little bit more unusual than normal. Although mm. this song, A New Infinite that we were just talking about, has more of a pop structure, if you want to call it that, because it's 4-4, it's I think it's like 120 BPM, and it, it's very straightforward, like it's somewhat predictable. But as for everything else, like the other 90% of the stuff I do, then that's when things get a little tricky. I try to, I guess, kind of follow a template that can at least give the track some uh, foundation for the structure and, and not have things. Because you, you can write a messy song. You can write a, something that is really messy and out there. But I, I think there will always be something um, underneath that kind of holds everything together. So, for instance, I try to have an intro and an outro. I try to have at least like a section that kind of repeats uh sometimes like a chorus maybe and uh and then you can get more creative from there you can add as many verses as you as you like maybe you can add a bridge if you feel like it it helps um you know transitioning um but i think getting down the intro and the outro and the, and the courses are like the main thing i do and then from there it's just uh you know, there's no limit. You can do whatever you want, but I think I, I think I still struggle with um, transitions between sections, whether it's verses or, or whatever, just because it's hard to know sometimes how to connect everything or have everything glued together. Um, and also, you listen to it so many times as you record things that you kind of forget that people that are not recording this will listen to it and. It it doesn't always translate as well. So you, I'm trying, I'm still trying to learn like how to create smooth transitions when we're jumping from something really crazy to something a lot softer, or things like that. That's when, uh, and also you got to remember that you're gonna play this live. So that's another good thing <laughs> to know. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't know, I forgot about that like halfway in the record, and then now that it, then now that I think about it. It's, 
it's going to be kind of a challenge uh, to, you know, learn the songs. Because uh, you got to be able to also transition between sections. And, and it's, but yeah, that's, I guess, getting the intros and the outros and the choruses are like the main thing. And then you go, from there you go beyond and do whatever. And how do you approach getting your music noticed and getting it out there? You know, I imagine it can be harder than, say, a more traditional musician who, you know, works with lyrics and stuff like that. I mean, radios, it would be more radio friendly. So how do you how do you approach it? Yeah, well, that's. I think right now that's like the, the hardest part of the whole process of releasing this you know, all of these songs and even even the things that are still lined up to be released, it's it's still a big concern just because there's only so much you can do independently. And I know like I'm I'm well aware that it's a genre that it's also not I mean it does have a following and, and you just need to know where to find that and 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 where are the outlets where you can get the most exposure exposure out of it. But still like it's it's still a challenge um i'm doing what most people do independently i think i i you know i'm putting it out using DistroKid as my as my distributor and um that's only one step you know after that i'm of course posting it on my socials and finding groups on facebook where people i don't know uh listen to prog or, or matrog or maybe bands that are similar um and i try to you know write something about it and just post it um without making it seem too spammy just because i you know some people might see it that way and i'm I'm also using reddit to share it like across you know metal rock blogs and stuff like that literally using everything any tool that i have on my disposal just to see what happens Uh, but it's even doing all that it's it's kind of hard and I know maybe most people would expect things to really blow up immediately just because I had Pliny, for example, on a new on a new infinite, but it's it's not quite like that all the time. Like I, I wish it that was like the you know, the cheat code or something to make it go crazy and, and get a lot of plays, but it's it's not always like that. Yes, the feature sharing it might help. Um, but ultimately I think it's uh there's a lot of variables. So in the as an independent artist, I, w- I, ju- I would just suggest people to um, on, on the internet find, you know, the places where you can post that or, or you know, have like self-promotion avenues where you can just uh, do your thing and, and save the links and, and use something visual that might capture people and drag them in. But um yeah, that's. I think that's what most people can do. And of course, if you can get some, uh, like a press agent or someone um, that can help you, you know, email this to other people that might be interested in writing about or or looking into that, that might help as well. I know a lot of people say that it's not that that it's kind. It's never guaranteed, and and they don't see the point behind it. But it's it's always good. Uh, you you will be surprised how many people might might want to look into and write about that so just yeah yeah and you made me think of something there when while you were speaking quite a few musicians i speak to 
lately especially they're kind of they're starting to go down the avenue of sync sync music is that something you'd be open to i've i've never thought of it but i'm i really like soundtracks from games and and also tv series and anime and it's a it would be interesting to experiment and see if if i could write something for for yeah one of those um artistic mediums um especially gaming i I think that gaming has opened up more room for yeah for guitar people uh, in my case and and other musicians to kind of jump in and and write something that doesn't have to be necessarily metal but just not write something that fits the aesthetic of the game or the film so i i don't know the reason why a lot of people are going that route i'm I'm sure there there must be a lot of reasons but i'll be interested like if i was invited i would definitely consider it just because it's yeah it's a different experience the first time a guest said it to me now it kind of caught me off guard but we're making out that that's where the future of music and the future of as a creator that's where the kind of constant revenue stream would be coming from you know so Mm. Maybe, might be something to look at in the future, you know. At this stage, we'll dive into your own history when it comes to music. Give the the listeners a sense of your influences and such. So, if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? I think that, well, one of my really, really early musical memories was probably just paying attention to what was playing uh, in the back for my, you know, uh, with the video, with the video games that I used to play, like on Nintendo sixty four and things like that, I noticed that uh, even though it was like eight beat kind of music, it still felt nice to pay attention to it and not just kind of like let it play and and not uh, pay too much attention because uh, it 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 felt great. It, it I don't know. It made me want to get a keyboard and see if I could relearn those songs. And I did get a keyboard. And then when I when I got that. Um, at that time, I was already meeting people that would listen to metal and Metallica and and really a lot of bands that I don't quite listen to a lot these days, but I wanted to learn those metal songs using my keyboard. And then I guess from there, just meeting people that spent a lot of time on the internet, just finding out about bands and 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 always trying to find like the the weirdest and the most like underground thing just because i don't know maybe at the time as you're a kid you you want to be the one you want to be like discovering all this music like non-stop so that's kind of like how it started did you grow up in a, a very musical household was it very supportive towards music mm, not really um i mean i think well, my mom, she used to buy records um, and listen to many different artists from many different genres. My dad, not not really. He's more of a businessman and he wanted me to do sports. And I tried a lot of sports. I think every single one that I can think of. But I would always, yeah, just jump to another one. And, and until I think he finally realized that I, I just wasn't into it. And, and I that's when my mom got me a guitar and then uh yeah from there i uh i started to i guess on my own just trying to meet up with people that were also into playing guitar or just 
you know we're into um this kind of music and um but either way that they're, they're you know in my house they're still they're very supportive of what i do um they don't necessarily understand it 100 percent um and i don't all else i also don't spend the time like breaking everything down for them but i do share it with them and they uh yeah they see they see how there is a lot to it and they support it so that's i think that's what matters yeah yeah exactly exactly and growing up then what was your local music scene like so i was you know i was born in venezuela it's you know it's only it's only now that i'm living here in the states but over there over there um at the time i think most it was almost like like the whole local scene was almost like split in two we had the people that were extremely into the whole like metalcore movement that was happening back in the days with bands like bring me the horizon and you know all all that huge era that was fresh and brand new and that was that was the thing and then we also had you know the people that were more um i guess supportive or into um like prog and dream theater and opeth and, and bands that are that were i don't want to say more com- well they're kind of more complex uh from a musical standpoint but both you know both teams are good either way like i also loved metal metalcore and stuff like that but that's kind of like how it was and at the time yeah it, you, you would hear a lot of people discovering children of bottom and and, and metallica and, and megadeth and um protest the hero and bands that you may you may you know are not necessarily at the time at least that they were very like underground and starting out and it, it surprises me now when i look back at it that in a country that is not necessarily like so close to the u.s and you wouldn't expect the culture to have that like drive to discover these bands that are almost yeah like starting out that they they would do that it it was crazy at the time i didn't really think much of it i was just like oh cool um i you know it's cool that my friends found you know found out about this band but um yeah it was it was mostly about the people that were into the metalcore movement and also people that were into uh yeah more like uh prog uh, i guess but very diverse which is unexpected from at least from my country yeah. i think yeah yeah and as a concert gordon from concerts you've attended what concerts would you say have made you um i've attended a lot um not in my country but you know right after i moved here i i attended a lot of concerts that i always wanted to go um i i think um going to metallica like in 2009 uh was like you know one of the experiences that i at the time because i was a kid i it yeah it really wanted me it really, it really made me um consider writing my own stuff a little more just i don't know it gave me uh more of a push but more recently i think after attended so many concerts seeing uh buckethead uh who's 
big influence uh, for me instrumentally at least or or seeing uh dream theater or seeing porcupine tree and, and bands like that that have um a very um it's like it, their shows it's not just them playing there's a lot going on visually and and, and uh there's a lot to the whole uh yeah show that that also made me i don't know want to get better at guitar and then seeing newer bands like Polyphia and John and people that are doing uh, something you know similar to what I do uh, I guess uh, that seeing their their age and how they were doing all these things also like inspired me to not overthink so much about it and just do it um, but I think yeah I think um if i would have if i would have to mention like four concerts that were very uh like influential i think porcupine tree dream theater uh metallica back in the day and then i think buckethead yeah those some good ones and what makes a good show for you then what do you look for and what's the the deciding factor on whether you're going to go and get the tickets well there's a lot to it i think because i've after attending so many shows, I realized that yeah, there there's some some shows that I find better than others. Uh, a lot of the times is because of you know the songs that they'll be performing. Really, like I would say, like seventy percent or like sixty five percent is because of that. Uh, I don't really like when when a band this is, um, you know plays an entire record from start to end, like whatever was whatever their last record was, just because. Um, it's um I don't know it's hard maybe it's also a subjective thing I'd like I, w- I would like them I like when bands kind of have more of a diverse uh, set list um, as for the visual things the visual stuff going on of course that that always makes it more interesting um, it's for example I don't know bands like Bring Me the Horizon I can see how much they spend on on their visuals and it it's it creates more of a yeah more of a disney world experience i guess because you get all these things happening as they're playing and it it makes things it gives like a deeper layer to the whole experience but i think most most of it for me at least uh relies on on what songs they're playing um and sometimes the bands that are opening for the for that you know final band because if if the openers are also bands that i enjoy then chances are it's probably really really good show um but yeah it's mostly that i I would say yeah and for any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows what can they expect well for now um i just finally got a drummer and a bassist so for the you know for the newer shows you would they can expect seeing a full band because I used to just, perf- you know, for the previous shows, it used to be, it used to be just me uh, using backing tracks. And, you know, you can only do so much with that. There's a point that you reach where um, it just doesn't translate as well to people. Not that they would stop going and see and see you play, but uh, it's only now that I can finally perform the songs with an actual band. So um, I think that'll be new to them and for me as well just because i haven't done it but um 
they can expect that for sure and they can expect also me playing um a new infinite also you know a couple of songs from the record that that's coming up uh and visually i'll try my best to get something together that at least um you know adds that extra layer to the experience but i'm still trying to figure that out just like my live rig i'm still like going through sweet water seeing what might work best and yeah just trying to have the budget for that as well um i've been thinking about just reaching out to some guitar techs and seeing how you know they can help me figure out what it is that i need but as for shows that's i think that's what they can expect um i would love to do a, a tour like across the u.s but um, I think I'll start locally, or at least covering Florida first. Maybe an album, an album release show or something, and then from there, uh, from there we'll see. Um, I think that's the goal. And out of all the gigs you've played, then is there an experience that you kind of revisit in your head as maybe the perfect gig so far? So, um, I I think. Um, in 2019 um there was a show i played and it was very improvised because i was just going there to see some friends perform it was a very like a three lineup thing that happened uh in miami here so uh i just went there um and i knew some of the guys and at the, t- at the time uh i had shown them uh you know the the first single i put out in 2016 and i was just getting done with writing another track i i still didn't have a name for my project i wrote, I wrote a dream wasn't a thing but um one of the bands canceled and uh yeah they just needed to have someone someone else like open up or do something to kind of like fill in the gap and they uh you know one of the guys had the backing tracks of those two tracks that I that I had shown them because he was helping me record in a studio. So he had that handy. And he asked me to perform those two tracks that I, you know, the only track that I could play really. And I played those and it went really nice. Um, I didn't really have any like audio issues at all. And because there was already an audience, um, they were very... Uh, happy about those songs because it wasn't necessarily like a math rock show it was more like a pop punk uh, surfy thing and it was very alien to them seeing like those two songs uh, being performed and i had to come up with a name because they uh whoever was you know uh whoever was hosting the event needed to have that like um on file for whatever reason and i remember that aurora dream was one of the names that i was thinking i was thinking for for a song it it was never really used for a song but i just gave that as kind of like a placeholder for the night and then i just kept it just because i don't know it sounded great and it was it's a good show that's that's the last one i think that um you know that i kind of revisit like you said yeah it's uh that's Definitely one of the most interesting stories about coming up with the name of your project that I've heard. You're right, though. It has a very nice ring to it. And I always say you have to have some bad with the good 
to realize how good the good is. So is there a gig that you would say is maybe the worst experience you've had and how did you overcome it? So back in high school in my country, I I, I was always trying to find a show or like an excuse to um, perform my music, even if it was a cover or something. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, my, my school, it had like a theater. Um, so I, I played there, like, I believe like two songs or something. And it was really hard to hear what I was doing. And of course I was a kid at the time and it was, it's not like I, I had a lot of idea, like, you know, it's not like I knew exactly what I was doing either. I was just trying to play the right notes, but audio wise, it was very muddy and uh, it was like so much it's almost like if i had i don't know the most the most insane amount of reverb that you can ever imagine and on top of that the people were not as you know back in the day in my high school most people wouldn't listen to rock and metal or anything like that so they i I was already expecting a lot of uh backlash or just them not not happy with that or just already just people already like prepared to you know just say the war, the worst things you can ever imagine, just because they are, you know, they they looked at it as something very, uh, you know, dirty and and not worth uh, listening. Like I guess, like most people, when you know, I don't know. I I think back in the day, or maybe my my country's culture, it, it wasn't. Uh, even though there was a scene, yes, you, that's not necessarily the majority. So it was kind of like going in in the ocean with full of sharks really like i was already i already knew that only my friends would clap and and it was it was a yeah it wasn't the best experience but i did perform the songs well at least and after that i i didn't want to play in school again I, i wanted to find shows where people that were seeking that music would go to and that made more sense of course What's your pre-show and post-show ritual? How do you get yourself psyched up for the gig, and then afterwards, how do you wind down? That's a good question. And um, for me, you know, I would I would do a lot of warm-up uh, guitar exor- exercises with my with my fingers, of course, and uh, trying to play. Um, I think. Big sore moon by Buckethead, just because you have to stretch your fingers a lot. So I would do that in different speeds, just because it always helped. Because of what I do requires a lot of tapping. I realized that uh, I I knew that I always needed to warm uh, warm up because I, there was a time where I would where I wouldn't do it, and it caused like a lot of tension with my hands and and pain, and it was, um, yeah, I would I would always do that. And, you know, also, um, I would get there, like, to the venue a lot earlier and have, um, you know, run things a couple times just because, not not really because I was fearful that something might go wrong, like, if I had to troubleshoot something, but because it would give me a better sense of uh, what the place looks like and, and the people that are there, so... I would feel less anxious uh, by the time I had to perform. And I'll also, you know, there's a lot to it that is, there's a lot to this and that um, 
happens like from home even like before you go to to the venue i i try not to uh, i don't know beat myself up too much about like little tiny mistakes doing you know the craziness and like the whole tapping thing because sometimes like i haven't had a show where i feel like i play all the right notes sometimes i you know i mess up and people don't notice it because they i don't know maybe they just it's really hard to notice, but I do. And then back in, you know, when I first started playing, I would get home and feel really uh, bad because I, I knew that I messed up. And even though nobody noticed, so I, now I try not to think about it too much. After the shows, though, I um, now I get why uh, bands are only thinking about putting their stuff back in their van or whatever, just because. Timing wise, you gotta be quick for the next band to you know get on stage. But also, um, I don't know. It, it, it's a good thing to kind of like set yourself free from all the all the year and just put everything back in place. I like to get a beer or, or like get a drink after a show and go to whatever is the coldest place in the venue, just because I'm probably already sweaty. So uh, <laughs> that's that's number one for sure. Uh, and I don't know, talking to people helps too. You know, for finding gigs and playing gigs, how does America compare to your home country? Well, my country was, um, it's not like I played a lot of gigs in my in my city, at least. Um, I um, There were very small events happening and not many people hosting things. So... I can only rem- I can only remember like two or three local shows back in my country, and that doesn't include Metallica because that was a very big uh, show, and it, you know it took months to organize and everything. But as far as like small like local shows and gigs, uh, I rem- I can only remember like three maybe, uh, and it it's like I said it's because we didn't have as many. Like the community wasn't as big and we didn't have as many people with professional gear like what were like the places to like organize this and i know you can always throw a house show but even that like it was strange not to have those it was i can only remember like three but here in the in in the u.s um it's it's a lot different um, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, that different, at least here in Miami, just because it's something very, it's a city that even though it's big, there isn't a lot, uh, at least like three, four years ago, there it was the whole like, metal scene and, and rock scene was very, uh, there wasn't a lot going on. Uh, it was really hard to find people like hosting events and kind of like, you know, bringing together the uh the local bands and having them perform but now it's different there's a huge scene um surprisingly there is um a lot of people hosting events and they get they get sold out and there you can see a lot of people going there um there's a big death course scene um that i don't know how how it happened but now it's it's a thing and as far as like prog music and like instrumentals and and math rock, it's it's still very small. Mm. But you know the people that go to these events like that to see deathcore bands or or, or all other genres, they are also of course like supportive and open to see 
like an instrumental band perform or like a prog band perform uh i think they're even more receptive just because it's something very unusual here so because it's so rare it also um you know drags a lot of people in just because it's not there's not a lot of it so that's kind of like how it goes yeah and when it comes to your career then how do you measure success i i think that i you know for for success i i try to think more more of a I don't know when I think about success with music I I I try to think of my vision uh being met trying to trying to uh put out something that um I feel like it, it was very close to how I heard things in my head and how I envisioned them to be uh even though you never really finish a track you kind of like just stop working on it but you get pretty close right to your vision and that I try to think to look at that as, you know, um, the track being a success. Um, because if you start attaching that to like plays or, or, or whether or not it, it got, um, I don't know, the recognition you thought it would get or something, it, it's, it can be, yeah, you can it can do more harm than good. It's it's because it's very unexpected. There's a lot you can't control with music, especially if you're putting it out independently. So I try to um, just keep it very simple and, and try to put something out that felt like it was um, what I wanted it to be. And then, you know, whatever happens after that is if it's well received and like very well shared or or not not as much it's gonna be like an extra thing um and that way it's i don't know you can go about things um i don't want to say more lightly more lightly but more um yeah more stress-free and happily without having to uh expect too much uh in return now if it's if it does really well then like i said that's that's great that's an extra but um even now like with all these features i i I don't attach to the release like too many expectations i would say that i'm not even expecting like the features themselves to like share this because sometimes it doesn't happen and i'm not saying there's a strong reason behind like oh they they didn't share this they didn't like it it's it can be a million reasons but even with those small things i'm not like expecting them to do that like if they do that that will, that's amazing that helps me a lot same with people um same with people that want to add my songs to like playlists but i just try to do the homework of putting it out and and just sharing it and and that's it uh after that i just try to think about you know what I can, what i can do next um it's a very subjective thing but i think it's I don't know it's healthy for me at least yeah yeah exactly sure if you get too bogged down with expectations and the numbers especially you know it can start to affect your your mental health very negatively yeah it could it could start to uh, yeah make you uh not as excited to keep on putting things out so it's 
as selfish as it sounds, I try to look at it like, oh, this I'm doing this because I liked it and I'm putting it out. And if people want to share it, then good. Um, it's a, yeah, it just makes things easier, I, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then what are your future plans? Tell us all about the album and gigs, whatever you have planned. So, um, as for the album, it's coming out next week on the 22nd. Uh, and it's, a it's a good album. It took like four years to make, uh, it doesn't have to take that long, but it was only me and I had to do all like online and remotely and, you know, find someone to play drums for it. Um, Pliny's drummer is the guy who played drums for the entire album. And it's, it's, it's great. Um, I had a but I had a friend um, from university who wrote bass for it and recorded bass for it as well. And it it's a great album. It has nine tracks. Um, the first one and the last one are kind of short because it's like an intro and outro for the record. But everything else is like three five minutes. There's a seven minutes song that is super long, but it's great and it's a it's a fun record um you i i hope that people can find something in it uh that resonates because not all the songs are in the same more some some are a lot heavier than others and, and you you get a little bit of everything it still feels very aurora dream it still feels like what i put out in 2016 in a way but there's a lot more to it um and one of the things that added like an extra layer to the whole experience was getting uh, Eric from the contortionist who plays keys and synths for that band and he uh with his keys and synths it added like more depth to it and that makes it sound a little more uh, interesting I think same with having Randy's production who also does production for like Periphery and like all the other bands that that you can also feel like there's more to it than just the guitars because there there's a lot of a lot going on behind um behind the instruments so that's when it comes to the record it's it's a good album um the, all the all the features are you know they're great and uh it 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 was it's worth it was worth the wait for sure i know most people would say that about their own records but if there was a lot of detail put into this especially with mixing i'm surprised that Simon was patient enough to like uh, work on all the feedback that I would give him. And I mean, it makes sense because it, it's my first record. So I guess it's normal to be so picky about it. But now, yeah. um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, uh, there's no such thing as like a perfect album. So I, we just try to take it to, you know, as, make it as perfect as we possibly could but it, it's great it's fun um as for everything else like shows or gigs or tours uh i'll i'll try to do some shows locally uh hopefully an album release show when when i rehearse with my band and we know exactly which songs we're playing but that's definitely happening um i'm also working on shirts um this album will be pressed in vinyl cds um i'm also having someone work on music taps so that people can buy the taps for guitar bass drums for the entire album and also for 
new infinite and um another single that comes right after the album and that will be like the last thing for a while at least but there's also something else being made for that has to do with the album it's like an alternative version of the album something very unusual from not from instrumental bands or but from bands in general but that's also in the making and i think i think that's it well um people can go online to the website and see that uh the merch shows us coming soon because I, like i said i'm still working on shirts at least one design because i mean to be fully honest it's hard to like cover all of it yourself it was already a lot by paying for all you know the album and the production and everything and now paying for the vinyls and the cds and the shirts and the stickers and and the flyers it's uh it can get pricey especially adding also someone to uh hiring someone to do all the music tabs because i don't i don't know if i'm i don't write my music like using guitar pro and then um i don't know music theory really like i know how to tune my guitar and i kind of know some chord shapes but it's not like i can transcribe all my stuff so i also had to pay someone for that but people can expect that uh you know in a couple weeks uh not weeks but like during this uh second half of the year i think that's where people will be able to you know buy the shirts and um but yeah the album is coming up next week that then after the album you you'll you'll get another aurora dream single um and then after that uh, like an alternative version of the record that i don't know as it's a it's like a remake electronic of the the album and it's i think it's it's fun it's an interesting twist plenty of stuff to look forward to so and uh we'll dive into the last couple of questions so if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only who would it be hmm that's a good question i think um i think that i would see uh i would like to see children of bottom and i know it's very very far away from what i what i play but you know since the singer died it it was kind of it was very bummer for me because i i hadn't i never had a chance to see them live and of course like i don't know if they're still performing or if they have like a new singer but that band uh was the only one that i uh you know missed out on uh as, at least like you know seeing them live um i'm glad that you know everybody else i listened to is still alive and well but yeah if i could go back in time even in my country days i would really try hard to uh, see them because i know they went there at some point but yeah i think that one that one for sure be a good gig and the next one so if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history who would it be oh man that's a yeah that's a that's a good one i think um hmm i think maybe guthrie goldman and the guitarist just because i used to listen to a lot of of, of his stuff and there's so many questions i have there's so many questions like i want to ask about his writing and how he comes comes up with this weird riffs and and how yeah like how 
his brain works when it comes to writing all this craziness because he it's it's very unusual to see him like in in like music events like nam or i just haven't seen him it's it's just like buckethead you don't just see him somewhere it's it's very rare um so i would probably pick one of them or yeah just to ask questions um because you know they're instrumental we were it worked kind of similar so it's um i think that could help me like understand a lot more things so that that those two for sure <laughs> right right and the final one so what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life hmm um that's that's it's a really tough question, I think. You know, there's there's a lot of good and bad, and it's hard to pick a song that has just one mood. But if I had to go with one, I would probably go with one of the one Dream Theater song just because they're super long. They have so many mood swings uh across the entire thing. I I think I would say The Count of Tuscany by Dream Theater, just because it's really well. I don't know, it's a really cool song. It's it feels like a movie almost because it takes you on a really long journey. It's like 17 minutes or something. I can't remember, but really cool track. Perfect. Perfect. Listen, Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure now. I've really enjoyed getting some insights into your music. Thanks a million. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I like this.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.